Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We are in our sermon series, Hebrews. Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning, I pray that we're mindful of our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Be with them, Lord. This is an opportunity for your holiness to be on display. I pray that you use our brothers and sisters to share you as the only way to secure an eternal future by placing their faith in Christ. I pray all these things in His name. Amen. If you guys want to know the honest truth, just looking at these two ping pong paddles alone makes my buttocks hurt. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. And since my father's here this morning, I would like to also say I'm just glad that Spalding didn't put Spalding on the rubber because I'd probably have Spalding still on the derriere <laughs> engraved. Growing up, we actually had ping pong paddles that looked just like this, worn out, old, used, and my dad decided instead of throwing them away, he was going to use them as the rod of discipline. I'm not going to lie, though, it was always more enjoyable to watch my sisters, my two older sisters, over his knee, getting the what for, as he likes to call it, dropping the hammer. Hope and I ourselves were never afraid to discipline our children. We definitely did spank Leighton and Reese. It's interesting, though, you could have two kids, same parents, and they respond totally differently. I remember with Leighton, the rod of discipline was very useful and very effective. With Reese, not, not so much. I'll never forget the one time, the last time I actually spanked Leighton, and this is the reason why it was the last time. I told him I was going to drop the hammer. He knew what that meant. He assumed the position reluctantly. And after I got done, he proceeded to start laughing and tell me that it didn't hurt. So I said, we're going to have to come up with a new form of punishment in this house. Brothers and sisters, just like our parents, and maybe some of us as parents alike, we discipline our children, but we do so out of love. We must remember, though, that there is a fundamental difference between discipline and punishment. Church, as children of God, He disciplines us too. But he does this out of love also. And this moves us to the title of our sermon this morning. Discipline over punishment. Discipline over punishment. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 as we go through the entire book of Hebrews. And in fact, we are close to being done. We do not have much more. We will be wrapping up Hebrews the first part of April. 
Today we're going to be in chapter 12 looking at verses 4 through 11 specifically. But before we get into these verses, we must remember that last week Pastor Jared reminded us that we need to mimic those in the Hebrew Hall of Faith. We're able to do this, however, if we first know God and then obey Him. Today we're going to be encouraged in God's discipline for His children because after all, punishment is reserved for those who do not know Him. That's the reason why we're saying there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Whereas discipline is for those who know and obey Him because discipline, after all, is how He guides us to Him to begin with. See, one thing we cannot forget this morning is this. Discipline is always future forward thinking. Whenever God disciplines us, He has our future in mind. When our parents disciplined us or when we discipline our children, we do it with their future in mind. So let's get into these verses this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 11 and ending, or starting in chapter, chapter 12, starting with verse 4 and ending with verse 11. In your struggle against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it is seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. For the moment of discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we want to throw them into this one simple sentence that states this. Jesus was punished so that we could be disciplined. Jesus was punished so we could be disciplined. The cross represents things tied to eternal salvation. In fact, let me restate that. The cross represents all things tied to eternal salvation. The cross also represents punishment. That's right. The cross also represents punishment. Jesus was punished. God had no need to discipline Jesus. Jesus didn't need to be disciplined. He was obedient. There was nothing there to discipline Him for. God could only discipline us because He punished Jesus first. See see where we're getting here? Only Jesus could take God's punishment. 
Only Jesus could take the punishment of God upon the cross, be buried, and then resurrected from the dead. See, if we took God's punishment, we're not getting resurrected. This is what we observe precisely in verses 4 through 6. See, discipline, by definition, says it's the training to act in accordance to the rules. So discipline actually trains someone to act in accordance to the rules. Punishment, however, is a little bit different because to punish somebody is to subject them to pain, to subject them to loss, to confine them. Ultimately, punishment leads to death. The Hebrew believers suffered. Yes, they did, and we need to make that very clear. But they never suffered, as it says here, have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. That's Jesus. See, brothers and sisters, some of us have suffered, are suffering, and will suffer. We've all gone through something in life that hurts. We've experienced affliction. It comes in so many different ways and forms. Some of us have been in relationships where our spouse has been unfaithful. Maybe you or a loved one has participated in an abortion. Maybe you've just experienced sickness in your life. You've been unhealthy. Whatever it may be, As sinful people living in a sinful world, we will experience suffering and affliction. We're going to experience things that just don't seem pleasant. Resisting to the point of shedding blood. See, this is punishment. That is Jesus. Because we experience these things in this world, Jesus went to the cross and was punished for those sins. But it's not discipline. The purpose of punishment, the ultimate end goal of punishment is death. If we resisted till our blood was shed ourselves, like we said, we would never be resurrected from that death. That's the reason why we can stand here today and say, only by the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus could withstand God's total and complete punishment for the sin of the world. That's why we have faith in Christ and what He's done for us. That's the reason why we can say that Jesus was punished so that we could be disciplined. God is disciplining us to be in relationship with Him. Church, when we see the cross, we should see God's punishment for our sin. Which is why verse 5 asks this question. Right there in verse 5 it asks, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? See, exhortation means to give one advice or give them a recommendation. Brothers and sisters, God advises those who faithfully believe that He punished Jesus for their sin. If your faith is in God's punishment of Jesus upon the cross for your sin, then God will discipline you. He will advise you. He will give you recommendations as you go through this life, experiencing suffering and affliction in order to be in a relationship with Him later. It's not all crimson and clovers in the Christian life here in this life. 
Jesus spared us God's punishment in favor of his discipline. I don't know about you, but I would rather be disciplined by God than punished. So the question is, do you want to be punished or do you want to be advised? Do you want death or do you want a recommendation? Those old worn-out ping-pong paddles, they weren't meant for death. If my dad wanted to put it into my life, trust me, he wanted to grab those. They were meant to advise me from the wrongdoing that I was doing. They were meant to recommend a different direction and a different path because as an older man in my life who had gained much more wisdom than I had, especially at that point, knew that he had to discipline me in order to be in a relationship with me. And I can stand here now. I can stand here now probably when he first started giving me the what for, dropping the hammer. I was maybe, I don't even know how old, maybe two, three, four years old. So I can stand here 37 years later and be in a better relationship with my earthly father because of the discipline he gave me then. God is doing that for us now so we can be in relationship with him later. This is why the author quotes Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12, right here in the second part of verse 5 and 6. See, God advises his children because he has received us as his children and he's done so in love. This text is pretty clear. It's actually abundantly clear. In fact, it is crystal clear that God disciplines us out of love. That's where his discipline is rooted. See, discipline discipline leads to maturity. Only those willing to mature can respond appropriately to trials and afflictions in their lives. That's really what it's all about. It's not about living this life to avoid this or that bad thing from happening to you. No, it's about when it hits the fan and things seem to be out of your control, how do you respond? If we are obedient to the Lord, we can respond to His discipline. So how can we do this? Specifically, how can we appropriately respond to God's discipline? I think there's one simple way that we could do this. Whenever we experience some suffering, some affliction in our lives, we can respond to God's discipline by doing our best, doing our best to take a self-evaluation of our own sinfulness and see what it is that God's disciplining us from. What sin in my life is it that I need to be disciplined from? What is it that's keeping me from being in relationship with Him? Because really, that's what it's all about. That's what our sin does. Our sin separates us from the holiness of God, and He doesn't want to be separated from us. He wants to make us holy like He is holy. So therefore, we need to look for any sin in our life. Maybe this is happening. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not saying just because you're suffering, it's due to sin. In fact, when you look at Job, everybody should know the account of Job, the man who lost it all because Satan said, give me, give me Job pretty much. Show me a man who can withstand what you're going to take away from him, Lord. And Job himself, he actually ended up in heaven to find out what it was that happened, and we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. 
It wasn't until Job was with the Lord that he probably found out what it was in the reason being for the reasons why he was experiencing the suffering and affliction. So it's not like we're always going to have answers. That's really the point that we're making right now. Don't always expect an answer, but expect to respond appropriately. And the best way to do so is to be obedient to God's discipline and see what it is that could potentially be in your life that's separating you from being in a relationship with him. And when you do that once, twice, thrice, maybe by the fourth or fifth time, you start to get pretty good at doing it. Because one thing you should learn, and one thing I am definitely learning as a Christ follower, it doesn't stop. It just keeps coming. Just because we win one battle doesn't mean we've defeated them all. We have way more to learn. And this allows us to be able to say this with these first cluster of verses this morning. Punishment leads to death, while discipline leads to life. Punishment leads to death, while discipline leads to life. Always remember, no matter what it is that we go through, it's for our future relationship with the Lord. Again, our main idea this morning stated this, Jesus was punished so that we could be disciplined. No child, no child, desires for their parents to be the cool parent. I learned this lesson early on. I remember I had a friend who had a cool parent. And I remember one time saying to that friend, like, man, I just love going over to your house because your mom is so cool. And I'll never forget it because that friend said to me, yeah, but I wish my mom was more like your parents. And see, what, what that friend meant was, yeah, my mom might be cool. My mom might try to be like our friend and everything, but I don't respect her. Brothers and sisters, a parent who disciplines their child commands respect. God, if he was cool with us, not knowing and obeying him, our adversary is definitely cool with us not obeying him and actually obeying ourselves because that's really what our adversary is trying to do. Our adversary is basically saying, you don't need to obey God. Really, who, who you need to be true to, who you really need to obey is yourself. Just be true to you. You do you. What if God was cool with our sin? What if he was that cool parent that was okay with our sin? Our adversary would definitely be okay with that. See, that's our adversary's mentality. What if God wanted us to be like us? What if he wanted to be like us instead of disciplining us to be like him? What if that was the case? What if he was trying to be cool like culture and society, everything that we see in this world, rather than trying to conform us out of this world to be more like him? I can tell you, if that were the case, there, there is one truth that is true, and that is the fact that there would be absolutely no Jesus Christ. The purpose of discipline is found in verses 7 through 9. See, a, a parent who neglects to discipline their child is actually no parent at all. 
You don't discipline your child, you're not a parent. As we know, our Heavenly Father disciplines us. See, He does so because even earthly parents train and instruct their child to leave home. I hope with our two children, I hope that Hope and I are disciplining both in such a way that we're preparing them to leave the home and start their future own. I would love for them to start their own family someday and not stay underneath just the lone guidance of Hope and I. Now, I'm learning this, and most of you are way more learned on this than I am. I am definitely starting to learn that you never stop being a parent. In fact, just this week, there was a family after our life group they were leaving. I remember telling them they have older children, and I said, you know what? The, the, the circumstances and the situations with our children may not be the same, but we'll be doing exactly what you're doing now. Because I can see the writing on the wall. We're only five, six, seven years behind where they're at, but I can see as a parent your role never stops. You don't quit. But the beauty for us is that we're limited. We're limited here on this earth with our energy, but our Lord who disciplines us, he has eternal energy. He's not. He'll never stop being our Father. Brothers and sisters, God's discipline for us is intended to train and instruct us to leave this earth. So as we train and instruct our children to leave the home, God's training us to leave this earth. And He's doing so so we can have an eternal future with Him. So allow me to ask this question. If you do not want to partake in his discipline now, what makes you think that you want to have an eternal relationship with him later? If you don't want God's discipline now, if you don't want to obey God now, what makes you think you're going to want to do so in eternity? It isn't like you can just run amok and do what it is that you please here on this earth and then one day show up and say, here I am, I've arrived. No. We are being prepared and trained now for a relationship with Him that is going to last forever. Children want to respect their parents. I want to be in an eternal relationship with a father who I respect. It'd be pretty difficult to be in an eternal relationship with the Lord if we didn't respect Him. He is giving us every reason now to let us know that He commands respect. Because as we go through what we're going to go through, the suffering, the pain, the affliction, the things that we've all experienced and maybe are currently experiencing and most definitely will experience in the future, those things that just don't sit right with us, He's there with us all along the way to remind us of what it is that's happening to us to prepare us for something that's better, that's yet to come. Church, obedience and respect go hand in hand. In order to obey God, we must first respect our adversary, as we said, only wants us to respect and obey ourselves. As we move along to, to verses 10 and 11, Proverbs 13, 24 comes to mind here. I just want to read this for you. God's word tells us that whoever spares the rod hates his son, 
but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Thank you. You showed your love with a ping pong paddle. I mean, I probably would have picked a better weapon, but I mean, the principal at least had a long paddle. They don't do that anymore, though, do they? Brothers and sisters, God's discipline always has eternity in view. There's a few quotes I want to read here. Sometimes some men just say it better than you can. One of them comes from Malcolm Muggeridge. Let me read what he has to say. Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seem especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, everything I have learned, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness. If it were to be possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence, the result would not be to make life more pleasurable, but to make it too common and trivial to be tolerable. Wow. So basically, without pain, suffering, and affliction, life actually wouldn't be more tolerable. Too much happiness actually is not a good thing. Dr. Stephen Lawson says this, the Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. You cannot live it on your own strength. Only by the power of Christ can it be done. Brothers and sisters, trials are a fact of life. It's all about how we respond to those trials. We need to be obedient to what God is doing now for our eternity later. This is why bad things happen to seemingly good people. And you'll hear people ask that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the truth be told, none of us are good. So let's just get that out of the way. The only good in me is the Holy Spirit who resides within me because I have faith in the goodness of Christ. But bad things must happen in order for us to grow. But we only grow if we trust in God's discipline. So as Joe joins me, I want to read one more quote. This one's from Stephen Cole. I grant that it is difficult to understand how God can be both good and omnipotent and yet allow the horrible suffering that we see in the world. That omnipotent word, that's, that's a big word. It basically means that God is all-powerful. He, he holds all the power. But to cease to believe in God on account of suffering does not make God cease to exist, and it does not resolve the problem. And that's what people do. They'll say, the God that didn't show up. Well, the hurricane, the war, whatever it is in life, if God was who you say God to be, He would have shown up. That's not the purpose. Our purpose isn't to save this physical world. Our purpose is to share Christ so he can save individual souls. Brothers and sisters, it's all about trials and affliction, but we need to allow them to work in our lives. We need to allow God to do what it is that he's going to do through these trials and afflictions. We need to allow trials and affliction to reveal our hearts to ourselves. We need to allow trials and afflictions to fuel our prayers when we pray. 
We need to allow trials and afflictions to motivate our repentance, our turning away from sin and turning back towards God. We need to allow trials and affliction to taper us off of this world, and that is every last one of us. We need to be weaned from culture. We need to allow trials and affliction to inspire us to be obedient to God's discipline. Obedience to God's discipline, discipline that leads us to becoming holy like Him. It's the type of holiness that's only fit for all of eternity again. God does what He does in our lives to prepare us to be with Him forever. And with that being said, as we look at this last cluster, let's throw it into this sentence that states this. A good father disciplines his child for the future, and our God, our Father, is a good father. A good father disciplines his child for the future, and God, our Father, is a good father. Again, we stated that punishment leads to death while discipline leads to life. And ultimately, what we said this morning was this. Jesus was punished so that we could be disciplined. Lord, I pray that you continue to use us to hold one another accountable. I pray that we remind ourselves of our need for Christ each and every time that we come together. Lord, as none of us have arrived yet, I pray that we motivate one another towards that destination that one day we will arrive and be with you in the eternal state with our resurrected bodies. It is in Christ's name that you have made this possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.